On today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast, we're going to talk about Transformers Rise of the Beast. We're seeing it tonight and the full trailers are out and they're a little bit mixed. Well, they're really mixed. The Directors Guild of America board has now ratified and approved the tentative deal they have with the producers. What kind of pressure will this put on the Screen Actors Guild and more importantly, the Striking Writers Guild? Also, the brand new Apple headset the apple vision pro is out will it disrupt movie going also on top of that the very first trailer for the new expendables 4 i bet a lot of you didn't even know there was going to be an expendables 4 is now out we're going to talk about that and a whole bunch more the john campia show podcast starts right now Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Move Related Show on the Planet Earth, the John Campia Show podcast, coming to you from right here in our little studio here in Southern California, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, John Campia, and it's awesome to have you guys here. I'm joined in the studio today by Ray Ora. Hey, 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 hey. We got Jonathan Voikos here. It is... That's a nice sound effect. It is Wednesday, which means Chris Carr, it's her day off every week on Wednesday, so we're without her today. But most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this little show part of your day. And listen, this is a show where we talk about movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good things, not just giving you our opinions, but also giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. So, yeah, Ray. I... I I couldn't start the show without paying my respects to WWE Hall of Famer Iron Sheik. The Iron I mean, Sheik, man. The very first bad guy I ever... He was the very first bad guy I ever Me hated. too. He was the first bad guy I ever knew in, in professional wrestling. Because when I saw him have that camel clutch on Hulk Hogan, and I was like, I love Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you can't do that. Man, um, we, yeah. Rest when I was a kid, when I was a kid, and I was like getting into and watching wrestling on TV, right? The big feud at the time for me was the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Oh, Nikolai. I love Nikolai Volkov. They were a tag team for a long time. Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik, and they had this big ongoing feud with the tag team of Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda. And those were the era I was watching. The Iron Sheik had some of the best legendary Mike skills <laughs> of all. And the way he would come in every time as a Canadian kid up there, what would we say? Iran, number one. Russia, <laughs> number one. America. <laughs> all I remember always how he opened up. He would kick his little shoe. His onto little the, curved toe boot. Yeah, to pretend that something is like coming to the tip of it. That he loaded some lead yeah. in it or something. And then he would kick someone and I would be like, you cheater. Yeah, yeah. He was- and and like a, a, his a, a major point in wrestling history, he's the guy that Hulk Hogan first won the world WWF World Heavyweight Title from. Yep. That started it all. Was his thing with Iron Sheik, and uh, yeah, and and even to this, he remained very vocal. He was always very loud and very Staying vocal in character, even or- in his retirement. I mean. He was a little off the deep end in some ways, but yeah. uh, but sometimes a tweet of his would come across my desk that would just make me laugh. Yeah, and he was, uh, a sad outspoken. day. Yeah, for those of us who grew up watching wrestling, the the passing of Iron Sheik at the age of eighty one. Yep. All right, guys, we got a bunch of things we're going to talk about here, so uh, let's dive into it, shall we? We made a video about this a little bit earlier today, but we want to talk about it now. Transformers: Rise of the Beasts is uh, is coming out. 
And, you know, Ray and I, we're going to go see it tonight. And I'm excited about it. Always get excited for new Transformers movies, and they almost always let me down. <laughs> With the only exceptions being Bumblebee, which was great, and the very first Michael Bay Transformers movies. All the ones in the middle there, complete garbage. And the reviews are out. The full reviews are out. Now, the initial first reaction that came out for uh, for Transformers Rise of the Beast were, were all pretty positive. Like, none of them glowing, like, oh, my God, this is the best movie yeah. of the year. Like, nothing like that. But they were pretty good. Now, the full reviews are out. As of this recording, Transformers Rise of the Beast has a 57%. This is the seventh film in the franchise. And out of seven mm-hmm. films, 57%? is good enough to be tied for second best critically related <laughs> transfer. So congratulations to Transformers yeah. Rise of the Beast. You know what? I'm looking at it, and Mario Brothers is 59%, so... Yeah, you know? I mean, uh, and, and I get it. Like, I, I understand. Like, I like Mario Brothers. But Ooh. I understand why it doesn't have a huge critic rating, because there's a lot of things about it that aren't great, but I had fun with it. Uh, Transformers Review Alert. It went from 57 to 55 now. Oh. No, 55, which now makes it third highest oh. reviewed of the Transformers. We'll see. It's been going up and down because earlier today was at 56. Then it went up to 57. Now it's gone down to 55. We'll see where it ends up there. It's mm-hmm. probably going to be somewhere in the mid-50s. But I'm actually encouraged by the reviews. I'll tell you why. And we mentioned this on the uh, video that we did earlier today, but when you look, a lot of people don't know how to look at Rotten Tomato scores, right? Because a Rotten Tomato score is not a grade, right? It's not like Rotten Tomato says, we anoint that this movie is good enough to receive a 55. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, it's not a grade. Because I read a lot of people, like when a movie gets like a 68 or something, say people say, well, that's like getting a C minus or, or some, whatever, a 68 would get you. But that's not what they are. Mm, no. The percentage number you see is just telling you the percentage of the critics that liked it. Yep. So if 100 critics saw Transformers Rise of the Beast, what they're saying is 55 of them liked it, 45 of them didn't. That's all it's saying. It's yeah. not a grade. It's just telling you a numerical percentage of how many critics liked it. Yeah, and they're just, they're just up and down votes. Yeah, and, just up and down votes, and whether it's like, good or not good. Yeah, That's all it is. Do you vote for this movie or do you not vote for this movie? That's it. So- with that, a majority of the critics are liking it. So that's that's encouraging to me. A majority are liking it. It's also encouraging to me because the first Transformers movie got a 57. And I really like the first Transformers movie. So I'm like, okay. Also, it, at 55, it's significantly higher than the other Transformers movies, which had a scores of 30, 18, 16, and 20-something. So this is significantly a higher percentage <laughs> Of critics that actually like it. And what's even more encouraging to me was when I actually read the reviews, Mm -hmm. right? Because the reviews, including the major outlets of The Hollywood Reporter, Variety, and The Wrap, they all gave Transformers Rise of the Beast a positive review. And none of them said this is the greatest thing of the year, but they all kind of said things that sounded promising. It's like, hey, this is the franchise getting back on the right track. This has better interaction with characters than the other films had. I mean, excluding Bumblebee. Bumblebee was directed by Travis Knight, did a fabulous job, but that movie had like a 91. It's incredible. But if you're going to... I'm okay going into this movie 
if somebody told me it's not as good as Bumblebee. I'm okay with that because Bumblebee for me was way up here. I love that movie. I just want to have a good time. I just want to, for the first time, other than Bumblebee, to be able to go to a Transformers movie and walk out and say, I had a good time. The last time I was able to do that, 2007, when the first Transformers movie came out. Other than Bumblebee, that's the only time I walked out of a Transformers movie going, I had a good time. And if this movie can deliver me that, I will be happy tonight, Ray. We, we rarely get gigantic robot movies. I mean, they're not doing a, another Pacific Rim, I don't think. Which not I after love. the disaster of the second oh, one. Oh, I re- I like the second one. I didn't think really? it was that bad. You like, yeah, I, I really like the first one. It's just big robots. Come on. There's no story there. That's, that was the problem for many. <laughs> yeah, but the first one I thought was great. Look, I, I have to say about Rotten Tomatoes, if you're going to use that as where you're going to look for reviews, I meant 55, 70, 80. Click on the... Click on them and read them because sometimes you'll find that one that's rated 50%. They'll say things that completely relate to you, completely are like, oh, I would love this movie. And then at 80% one, you could read through it and be like, oh, doesn't sound like my type of movie. So go through them. So go through them. I think film fans should have a two-step approach when it comes to reviews. I think number one, look at the Rotten Tomatoes score just to give you a sense of what percentage of the, the critics are seeing it like it. And then from there, I think there should be a second step, which is have a group of three or four individual critics that you find you kind of jive with, right? That that you're kind of on the same symmetry with and look at their individual reviews for it. Because you know, because you know, hey, I usually tend to agree with the, not all the time, you'll never agree all the time with any critic, but these four critics are critics I usually uh, find my own taste aligned with. And if all four of those like it, then it doesn't matter that it has a 28%, I'll probably like it. At the same time, you might go, well, these three out of the four critics that I usually find myself aligned with don't like a movie, but it's got like a 65. Eh, probably. So I think we should have as film fans a two-pronged approach. Take a peek at the Rotten Tomato score, then take a look at the two or three or four critics that you find you align yourself with, and then make an informed decision about whether or not you want to invest your time and money in a movie. My most perfect example for me about to do this is for the movie Asteroid City. I've never ah. watched a Wes Anderson movie. Oh, okay. I'm really interested in it. You Isn't... never watched Dog Island? No. I'm really interested in this movie because of the trailer. You never saw Fantastic Mr. Fox? No. That's a really good one. I'm going to go through the reviews like I've been with uh, Rise of the Beast and see if it sounds like a movie for me. Then I'll be more excited to see it. I'm still going to see it just because it's like I'm already interested. You might get a kick out of this, but this is going to be deep Wes Wes Anderson now. Like This isn't like like, like Aquatic or... Yeah. 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 This is like a refined boiled down Wes, Wes, Wes Anderson film. Like, this is him. So, <laughs> yeah. so you either like, like it or you don't. Yeah. So <laughs> with uh, Transformers Rise of the Beast, I can't wait. Like, the main things that I've read from the reviews are things that I really want to hear. Yeah, that's so, why I'm encouraged, right? Because yeah. it's, it's the specific things that I was kind of looking to hear a number of the big critics that I like to follow are saying. And so that kind of gets me excited. So we're going to go see it tonight and keep your guys' eyes open on the YouTube channel tonight. For those of you listening on the podcast feed, we have a YouTube channel and we're going to be putting up a right out of the theater reaction to Transformers Rise of the Beast tonight. I'm excited about it. All right. With that down, guys, uh, let's uh, talk about this. I didn't mention this off the opening, but I should have. There's a new Star Wars series coming out on Apple TV Plus. Ahsoka. Star Wars Ahsoka is coming out. Now, look, Ahsoka 
for those of you who are like the vast majority of people, only people who've watched the Star Wars movies, maybe you don't know who Ahsoka is. She popped up in Mandalorian. She popped up in Book of Boba Fett. But she really gained her popularity with the animated series, the Clone Wars animated series. And I'll admit to you, I am not a fan of the character. I, I didn't like the character from the first time she popped up in the Star Wars Clone Wars movie. Um, and I never warmed up to her in, in the animated series. I started to warm up to the character a little bit in the other Star Wars animated series called Rebels, which I actually really quite like the Rebels series. And I started to warm up to the Ahsoka character there. But when Rosario Dawson, who I adore, I love Rosario Dawson. I've been in love with her since Clerks 2. But when Rosario Dawson came on screen as the live action version of Ahsoka, I really started to like the character a lot. I think they're doing some really interesting things with her. And I like the nature of her personality and the character that she is and good fighting style, all that kind of stuff. And now we got her standalone series coming. Now, they had let us know before that August was when the series was coming out. Well, now we have an exact date and it's August 23rd, continuing on the tradition of dropping their big premium shows on Wednesdays for us in Los Angeles. That's that'll be midnight on Tuesday. But so Wednesday, August 23rd is the official release date of Ahsoka. They dropped a new teaser with it. The teaser looks great, although it's about 90% footage that we saw from the other trailer, a few other little glimpses and hints. Of course, a lot of Star Wars Expanded Universe fans are very excited that Grand Admiral Thrawn is the big bad guy. And as it turns out, the big bad guy for the entire Mandoverse, really. Ultimately, it's going to come down that Grand Admiral Thrawn's the big villain. Very excited. Uh, 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 what's the name of the guy who was um, Hannibal in the TV series? Oh, uh, uh, Mickelson. Yeah, what's his first name? Mads. Mads, Mads Mickelson. Mads Mickelson's brother, Lars. Lars. Lars, yeah. Is playing Grand Admiral Thrawn, which has the animated fans excited because I believe he also did the voice of Grand so. Admiral Thrawn in the animated series. So there's a lot of stuff here to look forward to and be excited about, and I am excited about this one. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Ahsoka as in from her from the cartoon animated stuff? series. I was more introduced to her in the live action series right. that we've been getting. But what I've seen, she is cool. And Rosario, Rosario, Rosario Dawson only makes her cooler. I mean, some of the lightsaber Rosario stuff, Dawson makes everything cooler. Let's I'm, just be clear about that. I mean, the character seems like very quiet, just like hidden rage somewhere. Or just, just she just seems very powerful to me. And I, I hope the series gets into how she became that way. I don't know. It, if, won't. it, it won't. I, th I think it's going to rely on people who have seen the cartoon. Oh. More. And, and honestly, I don't care to see a lot of her background because quite frankly, I don't like a lot of her background. Really? Yeah, I don't. But you know what? This is going to be the next series that we do our midnight screenings of where we mm. do barbecue beforehand. And so, so and I get ready, Ray. So get ready, Ray. <laughs> I heard her book was actually the book. A lot of people I never bothered. Novel. Yeah, I didn't. I kind of gave up on the novels. Okay. I gave up on the novels yeah. too, as a matter of fact. Like there were a couple that were really great, but I just eventually gave up on them. Yeah. And I, I do hope it's good uh, for obvious reasons, but also just looking at the release calendar the week before you got Strays and Blue Beetle, but that week and the weeks after it's kind of dry. So we're going to be wanting good content. Well, I mean, again, it's television. Yeah. It's going to be there whenever you want to watch it. For me, the premium Disney plus stuff is stuff that I will say i mean i gave up on it with she hulk but still it's it's midnight viewing for me like yeah. i stay up till midnight 
watch it when it drops at midnight, and uh, and I'll be doing that for Ahsoka, at least for the first couple of episodes. Re- really quick, John, let me just, like, a quick answer from you. Like, from what you've seen from the trailers of Ahsoka, where do you, what do you see this story actually um, telling? I mean, what do you what do you see from it that, can you tell what they're going to talk Well, I mean, obviously, um, it's about Grand Admiral Thrawn, right? So if, if you watch, the reason I'm excited about it is I did like the Rebel series, and they're, the name of this show is Ahsoka. It really could have been called Star Wars Rebels, the live action, you know, whatever. And it's, it looks like it's going to kind of pick up with where Rebels left off. Where, where Rebels, Rebels left off, Grand Admiral Thrawn goes missing after going, it involved, listen, I don't want to go into it yeah, all, yeah, it yeah, involves just, space whales. Right. But anyway, the space whales and Ezra Bridger, the main character of Rebels, go missing. And at that point... Sabine Wren, this is one of the characters. Right, right. Uh, uh, Sindula and Ahsoka want to find Ezra Bridger, and his fate is connected to Thrawn, and they're going to be hunting uh. for Thrawn. And Thrawn is trying to bring back the Empire because I think they mentioned Thrawn's name in Mandalorian Season 3 when all the Imperial guys were talking. Yeah. It's like, Grand Admiral Thrawn is the guy reorganizing the Empire. And I think they might be foreshadowing that Grand Admiral Thrawn reassembling the empire is what leads to the first order that we then get in uh, these because we do releases. see oh and he was even in the the, the original novels uh thrawn's like kind of right hand man um something with a p like palette or uh you know it's his it's like his second in command officer um even even in the re- heir to the empire novels he's in that scene that you're talking about where they have everyone's kind of like in a hologram and he kind of is speaking for Thrawn. Oh, yes, that's right. They did have, that's right. That yeah. character was in there as well. So yeah. that's where I think it's going. Um, anyway, guys, we have a few more topics that we're going to discuss here today. But before we do, we're going to take just a quick second and thank one of the sponsors of our show. Because to be an Imperial, you got to have discipline. Oh, you got to have, oh, you got to have strength. But you got to have well-shaved balls. The Emperor does not <laughs> tolerate hairy balls. And that's where our good friends Come in, our friends at Manscaped. Uh Uh-oh, Father's Day is right around the corner and you haven't gotten your dad anything yet? Don't worry. That's where our sponsors, Manscaped, come in. You and I both know he needs some serious grooming in his life, so grab your dad the Performance Package 4.0 and he'll thank you for helping him tame that beastly hair. Go to manscaped.com and use code CAMPIA for 20% off plus free shipping. Guys, I don't know if your dad's anything like mine, but where my dad lacks some hair on top of his head, believe me, he makes up for it everywhere else on his body and Manscaped is perfect for him. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and perfected their game with the lawnmower 4.0 this is the perfect gift presenting a sleek well-designed and optimized grooming kit that says your balls will thank you right on the box their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology this upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock this is great for any guy who does a lot of traveling it also gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Haven't you always wanted to be able to shave your balls in the dark? And come on guys, almost all of our dads have that nose bush sticking out of their nose, right? Well, the Weed Whacker 2.0, the nose and ear hair trimmer, is the best nose trimmer on the market and the perfect gift for your dad. Guys, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CAMPIA. Don't forget, you came from your dad's balls, so this year, show your original home some love with Manscaped. 
And thank you to our friends at Manscaped for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys. That down, let's talk about this for a minute because this is kind of interesting. You know, the Writers Guild of America, the, the screenwriters who all your favorite shows and movies, think of your top five favorite shows, top five favorite movies. Guess what? All of them written by members of the WGA. The Writers Guild of America, they are currently on strike. Um, and it has kind of brought a lot of the Hollywood machine to kind of a standstill. But there are still two other unions. There's the Screen Actors Guild, which is the Actors Union. They have a contract that's expiring on June 30th, and they're currently also in negotiations with the producers and studios. And the Directors Guild, the directors, they also have a contract that was expiring at the end of June. But as we talked about on the show the other day, the director's negotiating team came to a tentative deal with the producers that they were then going to bring to the DGA Board of Governors, to the DGA leadership. And, well, according now to a report in Deadline, the DGA leadership has has um, accepted the deal. Now, I believe the final step in this is to get the final details in the, in the uh, agreement ironed out, and then they're going to send it to the membership for final to ratify the whole thing. But... The big obstacle had to get, number one, was having the negotiating team reach a deal. They did. The next biggest obstacle was getting the DGA leadership to agree to it, which they now have. And now the final detail is going to be to get the membership to ratify, which they are expected to do. So it looks like <coughs> that deal is coming into place. There will be no director's strike. Now, Unfortunately, this does not end the problem because this doesn't end the writer's guilt. The writers have their own set of issues and demands. And one of the things we talked about this on the podcast the other day was a lot of the members of the WGA were kind of really upset that the fact that a lot of proposals that the WGA, the writer's guild brought to the table, well, the producers and studios just rejected them, but then gave those proposals to the director's guild. Big issues such as pay and benefits, issues such as limiting and putting in, in safeguards with AI, big, big issues like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, residuals on content. All the things that the Writers Guild brought to the table and the producers too said, nope, and stopped negotiating with them, but they, they turned around and gave it to the Directors Guild. So that made some of the writers pretty upset. Now... You know, we said on the show the other day that I don't believe the Directors Guild reaching a deal with the studios. I don't think this hurts the writer's position, but it doesn't help it. Because if the Directors Guild and the Acting Guild both went on strike as well with the Writers Guild, it would have brought the entire industry to a complete halt. And it would have put a lot of pressure on the studios to, you know, concede a number of issues and get deals done with all the unions. But now with the directors saying, hey, we got our deal, this kind of leaves the writers out in the cold a little bit. And and let me be clear, I said this the other day, but it, it it's worth saying again. The direct some people I say, oh, the Directors Guild stabbed the Writers Guild in the back. Listen, the Directors Guild has one responsibility, and that is to their members. Period. The Directors Guild's number one and only responsibility is to look out for the best interests of the members of the Directors Guild of America. They do not have a responsibility to the Writers Guild of America. They do not have a responsibility to the Screen Actors Guild of America. The Directors Guild's sole responsibility 
is to look out for the welfare and the best interests of its members. And if they were able to come to a deal that reflected, in their opinion, something that takes care of their members, they needed to accept the deal. And now it's up to the Writers Guild and Screen Screen uh, Actors Guild. Now, I'll tell you what. If the Actors Guild, which still has like three weeks to try to hammer out an agreement before a, a strike dead, a strike happens, if they reach a deal too, that then that is going to put a lot of pressure on the writers to reach a deal. And it could get very, very messy. And we will just have to see. Now, an important step took place the other day with the Screen Actors Guild where right now, well, sorry, as of the other day, the negotiating team for the Screen Actors Guild does not have the authority or did not have the authority to call for a strike. But the other day, the Screen Actors Guild held a vote with their membership and the membership of the Screen Actors Guild voted overwhelmingly. 97% gave the authority to their negotiating team to call for a strike. Now, that doesn't mean a strike is on. That was just the Screen Actors Guild members saying to their negotiating team and their leadership, we give you the authority to call for a strike if you're not able to reach a deal. But they still got three weeks to get a deal done. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this all turns out. So if they sign, if if they agree to a deal, Who, that leaves, who's they? Who's they? Uh, the Screen DGA? Actors Guild. Right. Or, oh, the Screen because Actors. Because the Directors yeah. Guild is, is Yeah, far, that's done. I mean, yeah, that's getting done. done. That, they, yeah. So is it like every man, every group t- for themselves then, yeah, right? Way. Basically. Yeah. I mean, you you can support each other mm-hmm. and you can show support for each other and you can even <clears throat> stand in solidarity on certain issues with each other. But again, like contraction, legally speaking, the guild leadership has to act in the best interest of their members. And hopefully that will help in in a in a ideal world them getting the best for their members will help the WGA get the best deal for their members, but that can't be their response. That can't be their attention. That can't be their the focus of their efforts. Their efforts have got to be get the best deal for the DGA as we can. So if the Screen Actors Guild, they 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 make a deal or have get a deal with the studios, a deal, right? That just leaves the writers out on all, their own. They're all yeah, yeah, and maybe even force them into a deal that is Isn't not that as deal? good as the what they want. Yeah. Oh, that's uh. So that, I mean, so again, it could get very, very messy uh, for the WGA. It's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of uh, works itself out. All right. Guys, with that down, let's talk about this. This is kind of fun. A brand new trailer dropped for a movie that I bet a lot of you even forgot was happening. Expendables 4. The brand new trailer for the Jason Statham, Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, Randy Couture, apparently now Megan Fox, 50 Cent, Andy Garcia, woo, on and on and on. A big, big cast list on this thing. The first trailer is dropped. And, uh, hey, you watched the trailer. What did you What did you think about that trailer for Expendables 4? Here's the problem. I, I I was introduced to John Wick Chapter 4 this year. Yeah. And then, but it might, you know, there's a little fast in there too. Oh, like, for you sure, know, for sure. With like a the little group fast, of yeah. stars. It might fill that hole that Fast X may have left in a lot of the Fast fans. But I love 50 Cent, but come on, man. I mean, some of the scenes in that trailer, I was like, it, it looked it like looked blue screen. Looked blue screen. Yeah. Mm. It, um, like the, the scene he's like he's like 
That's what I'm talking about. And the ship looks like it's just a video behind him. I mean, Jason Statham is charming as always. He looks great. In I there. love like, Jason Statham. Sylvester Stallone. Of course, you got to love when he's on screen. Dolph Lundgren. Wow. He is looking very, uh, like, very, very killerish. Dolph. Oh, very yeah. Killerish. Um, he looks very mad or ruthless and i love trailer. when he says i've got a prescription scope I, yeah. I like that line. i thought that was fun but and obviously worked his issues out with stallone yeah well oh, i mean oh, that guy okay that got quashed for those of you who don't early. know what what jonathan's talking about so an announcement came out a while ago we covered this on the channel right. ages ago but an announcement came out that the producers of the rocky franchise were looking to do a drago spinoff that was going to focus on uh ivan drago and his son Right, who's of course a, Florian? The, the yeah, who is the main, you know, uh, antagonist of Creed two, or yeah, Creed two, and was also appeared in in Creed three, and was uh, the big right hand guy with the one blade arm right. in Shang Chi. So that announcement came out, and the next day, Sylvester Stallone went off on social media, like about how dare you do this, and blah blah blah, and like then Lundgren follow that up with hey listen i was under the impression that stallone was all on board with this like i had no idea about any of this so yeah they got that yeah stallone yeah. and dolph lundgren got that all cleared up a long he time didn't ago. have his prescription scope with him at the time that's right so. he couldn't read the fine print yeah. in the in the deal i wouldn't be able to tell you any of the stories from expendables because <laughs> i watched neither can most of the people that watched i it. watched all three of them <laughs> me too but, I, but, I couldn't tell you a single thing about them yeah me and you were talking about it before and we couldn't remember anything all yeah. i remember is one had stone cold and I like that one, except... Oh, that's right. I think that was, that the, was first the first. Was, the first was that second. the second one? Maybe it was second. First or second. Again, I I yeah. can't. I watched all of them multiple times, and I can't remember a damn thing about Didn't any of them. Didn't the third one have Ronda Rousey? Yep. Yep, that was the third one. So I, I know it by like who they've added that I actually wanted to see, but I don't remember, remember the story. They're like a group of... Uh, Ex they're mercenaries. mercenaries. They're, they're mercenaries. I'll, I'll yeah, they're, yeah. they're guns for hire. That first movie, I was mid watching it. I'm like, I don't remember the story. So don't blame yourself. Yeah. So what did you think about the trailer? Uh, not good. And, and I'm not not ragging on. This isn't like me ragging on the Fast X franchise. I the first movie was like whatever. I really liked Expendables too. Like I'm a fan. Of, I, like I actually want to yeah. go back and watch it now. This makes me want to rewatch two. Haven't seen three yet, so I want to do two and three. I liked three. So I'm not hating on the franchise, but. Uh, this trailer, I mean, there was so many shots where I was looking at the action. I'm like, I feel like, and I get it, these guys are up in age. They're cutting the action around these guys. So, like, something happens, and then they cut to, like, a reaction shot of the guys. You can kind of tell they're not really getting in the mix of the action. It doesn't even seem like they bother to use stuntmen to get in the mix of the action. They just do a super wide shot to show chaos, and then a super close-up. Like, that's what I'm talking well, about. Well, when you got guys like Jason Statham, and, it's and you got the one screens. guy from The Raid. And oh, yeah, got, yeah. Good to see him. Good and was that Tony Jaw? I think I yeah. saw Tony yeah, Jaw yeah, yeah, in there, yeah. too. Like, you don't need You're, a lot of stuntmen when you got those guys. Doing well, they're gonna, I think they'll focus the action around those guys, but the older, the more veteran guys, they're going to cut around. I, I didn't notice Tony Jaw in there, but, because I was about to say the charm of The Expendables for me was every uh, movie they brought back a, a star, sure. a former star, like action a star. A former big actor, whether it was and, Bruce Willis, Harrison Ford, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, uh, yeah. and, and Jean-Claude Van Damme. I wish I noticed uh, Tony Jaa, but like, I didn't see that that in uh, this trailer. Unfortunately, it was very heavy Megan Fox, and yeah. no disrespect to, like, she has had really good acting like roles. She's had her moments. So she this really isn't really has. on her either. 
but she was very wooden in this trailer. It, I, and it, I felt no, it, no. Honestly, granted, like, it's just a trailer. No chemistry between her and Statham. No, like they had cue cards. Oh, yeah. do you like that baby? Okay, come here. You know, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but that's what it felt like. All right, I'll tell you this. I really like the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the trailer. And you know what? You know what? And Ray, you're seeing it Wednesday night. <laughs> I don't disagree with anything you guys said. Yeah. I don't. I honestly don't. I, every everything you said. That's me and Ant Man. I don't I, really agree with the hate. I agree with every point you made, and yet for me, Ray <laughs> just turns back. How could you, man? But for me, I watch this like this is <laughs> this is Expendables. You and you know what? Your analogy is right. Expendables is basically it's trying to be. Fast and the Furious cross with John Wick. And the problem is John Wick is way better. Oh, yeah. And does everything better. And Fast and the Furious is not a good thing to try to model yourself off of. Off of. But I, you know what? Getting it's, the raid guy. It's Dolph Lundgren. It's yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's Randy Couture. Yeah. You know it's, what would be great? You uh, just said that about John Wick. Like, if they did a fifth Expendables and Keanu's the villain in it. <gasps> I love that. But he would have to win then. Well, he wouldn't no. be John Wick. He no, would be I would still Keanu. see him that way. That's he true. Better you don't not see lose. him as a villain often. And I, I that would be great. Not, though. I still right. want to see him with the successful the success of John Wick and anything else he does in the future. But throwing him in as a villain. Oh, I'd be so down. I'd be yeah. so down for that. By the way, he kind of played a little bit of a villain in a way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always be my maybe. Because <laughs> if, and by the way, if you've never seen that, it's That's Randall Park, movie. Ali Wong. Uh, it's a rom-com on Netflix. It's actually surprisingly very, very good and very funny. And Keanu Reeves plays himself. Yeah. Only a really douchey version of himself <laughs> that kills. It's and so good. I have to ask you one: What did you like about this trailer? Was it just the charm of the whole, just just seeing like Dolph Lundgren, or was there something that I, it's it's it kind of represented? I don't love everything about Expendables, but this trailer represented all the things I do like about Expendables. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Like the corny little one. See this face. Try not to shoot this face. I mean, that's that would be dumb in almost anything else, but in a Expendables talking to yeah. Dolph Lundgren, it's cute to me. When he's letting in Sylvester Stallone saying, I need better friends, just because I know the franchise, right? It works for me. And seeing all the guns and, and all the, the water. Ice, like, it could be fun. They're in a new environment. They're on a cargo ship, I think. They're on a boat. So I expect Steven Seagal to come out <laughs> of a birthday cake or something like that. Has to he been the in day. It? He hasn't, right? No. I don't think anybody wants to work with Steven Seagal. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, no, he's like, he's literally, this is not even getting political. He's just literally in Russia now. So you, he's not even available. Yeah, no, he's he's like, he's gone way off the deep end. Don't get me wrong. I used to love Steven Seagal movies. He's funny. Uh, Steven Seagal <laughs> was the first Dominic Toretto. Because that's the one thing that did, while I loved the old Steven Seagal movies, the thing that drove me crazy about his movies is that he refused to ever get hit. Like yeah. every oh. fight, every fight, it was completely one-sided. It was always just Steven Seagal dominates everybody. Anyway, that's a side story. All right. Last thing we're going to touch on here, guys, before we go over and start taking questions from our uh, channel members, which is we, we made a video about this earlier today as well. And somebody brought it up on the podcast the other day, but we got a question in today on our Mint Mobile hotline. And by the way, if you have a question that you'd like to see us do a short video on on our YouTube channel or address here 
on our podcast. You can go ahead and call our Mint Mobile hotline anytime, 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And we will uh, pick out one or two every day to, to address. And this one was about the brand new announcement about the new product, the Apple Vision Pro, and can it disrupt the movies? Check it out. Hi, John and crew. My name is Isaiah, and I was calling in to get your guys' thoughts about new technology that Tim Cook unveiled. This new Apple Vision Pro device that they're releasing seems like it could really change the way that we watch movies, especially uh, for getting a cinematic experience from your own home. It looks like, despite the fact that Apple earlier this year committed to theatrical releases, it is now releasing hardware that makes it easier to get a cinematic experience without going to the movie theater. Uh, I know this technology is super new, but it could be five years in the future, a new normal. What do you guys think this means for the future of movie theaters and the movie-going experience? Bring on the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for uh, for calling that in. Oh, yeah, with the... Uh, now, look, full disclosure, I'm a bit of an Apple guy. I mean, I, while I use an iPhone, I actually prefer Android. I think Android is the better experience. Debate that all you want. Uh, I use PCs and Macs. My tablet is an iPad. Uh, the watch I'm wearing right now, which is ringing at the moment. Let me stop that. The watch I'm wearing is uh, an Apple Watch. I got a MacBook right here on my desk. I, I mean, so I like a lot of Apple stuff, and I follow it closely. Man, I want to get that new Mac Pro. Ooh, but it starts at $7,000 for the base model. So I ain't buying that. MacBook Pro? Not MacBook Pro. Mac Pro. Mac oh, Pro. it's the like tower. Mac Studio? Yeah, the oh. tower. The tower. Right? So mm. they just come with that. I, man, I want it, but I ain't going to pay that price for it. Well, so I'm always interested when Apple introduces new product. I've, I watched their the big Apple, Apple Mac events. I watched the keynote the other day with great interest. And, of course, they introduced the... Apple Vision Pro, the new headset, the VR set, right? It is easily the best thing in that market ever made. I mean, this is the best VR headset, the best the best headset ever made. Uh, it can do things in a way that the others just couldn't do. And I've owned a couple of headsets. Like I've had the Oculus Quest and a couple of things, but this looks just like next level stuff. So of course, inevitably, a lot of people start asking, will this replace or disrupt the movie-going experience? And like I said, we made a video about this on the YouTube channel for those of you listening on the podcast. But here's the thing. One of the things I mentioned in it is that it seems like every time over the past 50 years, whenever a new piece of technology comes out, everybody insists, well, then this is going to replace movie-going. Every time. Now, I wasn't alive at the advent of televisions coming into the home but i've read all the stories like when the televisions came in the home everybody said well that's it movies are done there's not going to be a movie industry anymore we can watch screened entertainment in our own homes but it didn't change anything and then the advent of the vhs player came out the vcrs and everybody said well this is the death of movie going but it wasn't didn't change anything then tvs got flat and bigger we had bigger TVs and people said, well, this is the death of movie going, but it wasn't. Then HD came around, which was far superior to SD. And everybody said, well, this is it. We don't need to go to the movies anymore, but that didn't change anything. Then Blu-ray players and DVD players came out. Then streaming came along and everybody said, well, that's it, everything. But it didn't. 
And now we've got the Apple Vision Pro. And again, I don't think it's going to replace anything. And, and there's a couple of reasons why. And I mentioned this on the podcast the other day too, but as I watched with great interest this keynote speech, and I said this in the video too earlier, is that I watched it with one question in my head. What will this device do that I cannot currently do? And the answer after I watched the keynote twice was nothing. There's nothing this device can do that I can't do on other devices better. Like, hey, you can do computing with it. Well, that's great. But my $900 MacBook Air here can do so better, faster, has more capable. I can do a lot more things on it. Well, you can yeah, watch video. Okay, that's great. But I can do that currently in a, in a lot of different ways with a lot of my different, a lot of different devices and all that kind of stuff. Well, you can look at photos. Okay. But I can already look at photos in a lot of different ways on a lot of different devices. It's that Apple factor, man. I mean, look, yeah. look, I have a pair of AirPods here. There's Gull Candies. There's Logitech's. There's way cheaper wireless earbuds. I use Raycon. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Or Raycons. What? People just buy it just because they – it's almost like if you get something Apple, you're almost guaranteed that you're not going to return it. It's going to work. Well, it's because nine out, yeah, nine out of ten times, it's higher quality. It's usually – usually, not always. Yeah. Usually the best thing in its, in its category. Yeah. It and, looks great. And it looks great. And the Apple Vision Pro looks no less than that. The best in its category, all that kind of stuff. But again, to me, I was looking at it. And like, what can I do with it that I cannot currently do? And, and the answer is no. <laughs> now, the question, though, about will it disrupt the movie going experience? This is the big thing to me. The answer is absolutely not. Now, what it can disrupt is the home viewing <clears throat> experience. Sure. But the thing about going to the movies, and I, I said this earlier, and I say it all the time, going back to my AMC or not even before AMC to my movie blog days is this. Movie going is an experiential event. It's an event. Today, I woke up happy and I do every day that I wake up knowing I'm going to go to the movies that day because going to the movies is my favorite thing in the world to do. I, I'm going to be getting together with Ray and Ryan and our friend Jen and we're going to go out. We're going to grab a bite to eat. We're going to go to the movie theater. We're going to go watch a movie together. We're going to walk into that, that foyer of the movie theater with so many other people there getting their popcorn and excited about seeing whatever movies they're going to go see. Maybe they're there to see Transformers. Maybe they're there to see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Maybe they're there to see something else, whatever. They're all excited. Then we're going to go into the theater. We're going to walk into that massive room with that huge screen. We're going to be sitting with hundreds of other film fans and we're going to ooh and awe and, and cheer and, and laugh and whatever together. Like this is just the sort of thing that... No matter if it was the television, the VCR, plasma TVs, the dawn of HD, Blu-ray players, DVD players, streaming, whatever, nothing, none of those things can replicate the key things about what makes the movie-going experience the movie-going experience. You know what it is? Like, yeah, the 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 Apple Vision Pros are great. If you want to sit on your ass in your house and look at something that looks like it's a big screen through your thing, and it might even look very, very good. That's great. But you know what the difference is? It's the difference between masturbating and having sex with a real woman. It, that's the difference. You can sit at home by yourself and put on the headset 
and look through the headset. <laughs> and it look like a now. big screen. And okay, great. But you're you're in, in an entertainment term. You're entertainment masturbating at that point. Have sex with a real person. <laughs> have sex with a real person. Go out, get together with people. Go out. Have what are we event. talking about, sir? I'm talking about the best thing God gave us, which uh, is the movie-going <laughs> experience. Look, look, and sex with other people. Look, the only way it'll be, the only way this becomes a threat, if they add a social aspect to it, but not a big threat. It'll just give people a different option. Maybe, maybe there's. There's some people that don't like being in big crowds, but no, want to yeah, sure. sure have because of all the things that are happening, things that have happened. I'm not saying you it's know? not a nice option yeah, for yeah. some people, right? That's but, but like there's definitely a niche for it, obviously. But, but even introducing a social aspect to it, right? Well, then it's like that's the difference between talking to friends over text and actually getting together <laughs> right, with right, your friends, right. you know? So like like yes, just like television, VCRs, Blu-rays, streaming, they absolutely provide wonderful options for home entertainment. And I think the Apple Vision Pro is going to provide a wonderful option for home. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trashing the Vision Pro because I'm very excited to try it out. I need somebody else to buy it that I can then try out because I ain't dropping $3,500 on one of these damn things. But it is not going to impact or interfere with or replace. It's going to be like all these other pieces of technology we, we mentioned. It will increase, enhance, and give more options for the home viewing experience. Yes, 100%. It's just not going to replace the movie going experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, that's just the way I see it. Again, because again, every time one of these new pieces of technology come along, this same discussion comes up. This is going to replace movie going, and it never has. Well, when we used to play video games before the online multiplayer, right? People would have to bring their console or whatever. Land over to parties, somebody. we yeah. called them. Yeah, yeah, over. But then uh, they online multiplayer. Yeah, you didn't have to leave your place to go play with other people. If there's a way that that this thing could do that for movies. That's the only th- time where I would say there's a small threat. It might disrupt it a little. Other than that, there's nothing like going to a movie theater, sitting next I, to a stranger, a loved one, whatever, because that's just the way it is. Yeah, I that's would argue I had more fun at the land parties. I used to love land yeah, parties. Yeah, yeah. Then just online by myself. Yeah, yeah. Me and my buddies, we, you'd have the, it was a pain in the ass because you have to pack up your tower, sure. your monitors, your mouse, your keyboard. You bring it over to your buddy's house. You get them all networked together, and we would play StarCraft. <laughs> like either StarCraft or something like that. It would be I, so much fun. And can I say, during their promo, I watched it, and I was like, everyone who's using this looks so sad. And even the, the one where she turns and her friend walks in the room, I was like, they don't look like they even like each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's just a lot of aloneness yeah. in the promo. The problem kind of sad. The I think. problem too, and I brought this up off camera, was you know, this this Apple, what's it called? The Apple uh Vision Pro. Vision Pro, it's great. And it's gonna it's revolutionary until the Vision Pro 2 comes out, and then the Vision Pro 3 comes out, and it's a chase. Yeah, and so it's, it's, so it's great always gonna get better, better and all that kind of stuff. Again, to me. I love technology that does a couple of things. I'm, I'm really interested in technology that does one of two things right now. Number one, introduces an ability to do something we can't currently do. The other thing is I love technology. While I never played Pokemon Go, I love that it was there because it was a technology, a game that got people out of the house. Some people fell off cliffs. 
So, yeah, some people weren't the careful and they actually they fell out, off cliffs. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I like technology too that gets us out of the house. Yeah, right. Sure. And like, I, this is just another thing. And, and great, listen, I'm excited to try it. I really am. But it's just another thing to keep you sitting on your fat ass on your couch. And I got enough things to keep me sitting on my fat ass on my couch. Right. I, I like technology that gets that expands our world a little bit too. Again. I'm sure there's going to be many, many great applications for this device, yeah. and I can't wait to try. Although it, I but... wouldn't mind it for something like a row machine, so you're exercising, but you're looking around and like you can see like sure. The river, As again, that you know gives makes it a great option for yeah. something else that's already existing. Yeah, yeah. And that can That'll can be happen. a month, and then you'll put it away. Well, but then you get all sweaty from rowing and everything. Uh, but whatever. Yeah, just use use some sanitary napkins. Yeah. Wipe that thing down. Those things are disgusting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, listen. We are now going to go on and take questions from our YouTube channel members. As I mentioned, if you're listening to the podcast, we have a YouTube channel. And over on our YouTube channel, we have a wonderful group of channel members who support our channel. And every day when we do the podcast, we ask them if they have some questions or topics they'd like us to bring up on the podcast today. And we've got a whole bunch to go through. But before we do, we're going to take another moment here and thank a couple more sponsors of the John Campia Show podcast today. Our friends at Honey and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Today's episode of the John Campy Show is brought to you by Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. Guys, more and more, we enjoy shopping online, whether it's on our phones or our computers. And how many times have you gotten to the checkout and seen that promo code box and thought, man, if I only had a promo code, I could save some money. Well, thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. So here's the situation. You're shopping online on one of your favorite sites. And when you go to checkout, the Honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Then just wait a few Few seconds as honey works its magic and searches for coupons it can find for that site that you're on and if honey finds working coupon just watch the price drop. Recently, Ann and I were hanging out at home one evening and we decided to order in and the honey button appeared. I was able to apply a coupon and I actually saved like six or seven bucks. It was that easy to use. And honey doesn't just work on your desktop computer. It also works on your iPhone. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. If you don't already have honey, you could be straight up missing out. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show. Get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Campia. That's joinhoney.com slash Campia. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. 
Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Honey and Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campy Show podcast. Remember, guys, when you go and check out and support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you look down in the description, you'll find links and promo codes to today's sponsors. And thank you again to Honey, Mint Mobile, and Manscaped. All right. With that down, let's get over and start taking the questions from our YouTube channel members. By the way, guys, if you'd like to become a YouTube channel member, look down in the description and you'll find link to do that as well. All right, Jonathan, what do we got? Okay, up first, we've got Red One Real Talk. Thanks again for starting the newsletter, John. It's been a welcome addition to my morning routine. Your note about Ray today was really heartfelt, and I just uh, add Aww. that we salute you, Ray, for hey. all that you do. Oh, yes. Thank you. I read that. It was, it was very sweet of you. So for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, and I should have mentioned this, uh, and you'll find a link for this down in the description as well. We do a, a daily newsletter that goes out every morning. It's a simple newsletter. We kind of, kind of, we lay out, uh, topics that we're going to be talking about this today on the podcast and on the YouTube channel. We make announcements that we have about like certain things that are going to be coming up. We always put announcements in there. And then I got a little section just called John's thoughts where I write about different things. And today I just thought it would be a neat idea to kind of let people know what it is Ray does around here and who Ray <laughs> is and a little bit of background on Ray. You know, I, I think sometimes I need that only because if anyone flames me on Twitter, it's it's for the reason that, you know, I'm your brother-in-law and things like that. And, like, I just want to, like, you know, know that people know that, you know, I, I've earned my spot, I believe. I mean, you Oh, know, listen. I, uh, in, like, a lot of people... Uh, because they're not here, so they don't see what goes on in here 10 hours a day, right? So I've got the question, so what does Ray do? And that's because 99% of what Ray does is not on camera. Like, it's it's all the stuff, it's all this other stuff. And you got to understand, like, Ray, one of the first pictures of Ray ever when he was working with me was at the AMC storage closet. As oh, we were my God, and I wore those big baggy yeah that was an and interesting like fashion choice pack, yeah with the high socks i thought yeah. that looked cool and then i yeah, looked at bro. it and i was like man yeah you're killing it. but it was let's, was let's, ray let's, cleaning out the amc storage closet that we were turning into our first studio there and ray again with there's this big laundry list and like then i had one person write to me today it's like how does ray accomplish all that every day i said he works hard yeah he works hard well, it's we're uh, here for a long time um so yeah so well, it was nice to be able to do a little piece about yeah. ray in there all right, what's hey, next? Hey, uh, just real quick, because I got this push notification from Wall Street Journal. You're going to love this, John. Uh-oh. Amazon is planning an ad tier for Prime Video. It is considering whether to charge existing Prime subscribers more for an ad-free experience. Oh, Amazon. Well, okay, you know, here's the funny thing, though. And, you know, we'll, we'll do a topic about this tomorrow, but I'll just say this. Amazon Prime Video is very is completely unique from all the other streaming services because essentially it's free you just got to be a prime member yeah which right. i see i signed so up for amc prime goes up amc prime i signed up for <laughs> amazon prime right. just so i can get my free deliveries yeah because i unless i would be embarrassed to admit how much stuff i buy off of amazon it was a perk uh but yeah i just so it was just an added little bonus and actually you know what there's like tons of prime 
perks you get that I never use, including a lot of video gaming, like free games and, and access to streaming services. And Amazon also owns Twitch now. Yep. So there, you get free memberships. And, and if you don't need anything fast, you could do like the slowest delivery and they'll give you like $1.50 digital credit. And before you know it, you could buy a here, Game Pass card. Here's the or problem. Something. There's a lot of people that do just use it for shopping. So now are they getting charged more for their ad free when they don't even use the video I don't slide? know. Be, again, I'll, I'll have to, I yeah. haven't read it the just story, dropped, so but that's interesting. Okay, what's next? Okay, all right. So we've got Amin who writes, Christopher Nolan said uh, the color scenes in Oppenheimer are subjective. The black and white scenes are objective. I just think that's genius. Such a cool and stylistic choice to tell a story, especially a story like this. I don't know what he means. Like, like maybe yeah, like, the black uh, with, and maybe saying the black and white is like one hundred percent historically perfectly accurate. Yeah, and then the color scenes are ones where they have take a little bit of our conversations that we don't even know happened. If that's what he's doing, that is kind of ballsy. That's kind of neat to do. I yeah. mean, look, I'm just dying to see this movie. The previews mm -hmm. they showed for it at CinemaCon was so good. I cannot wait to see this movie. All right, what's next? Okay, Cash writes, not necessarily for today's show since it's on, on the spot, but would love to hear your dream cast for a Knives Out movie. Uh, I oh, I still got Kevin Hart on my list. Anybody, there, I would have, there's, there is no dream cast yeah, to me because every movie, cast. every movie is different, right? Like Knives Out was a very, very different movie from Glass Onion. And so the cast of characters you need, like, like, here's the thing. He starts, Ryan Johnson starts with his characters. And then he casts people to fill those characters. He doesn't start with actors and then makes up a character to fit the actor. And so it would be impossible to come up with a dream cast when I don't know what the when I don't know what the uh, the roles <clears throat> would be. So I'm just perfectly happy to sit back and watch what Ryan. I love his Knives Out movies. I love these movies, and I cannot wait to see his next one. All right, what's next? All right. Uh, Al, oh, I cut off his name here. Alan S. writes, uh, "Happy Wednesday." I believe you all worked at AMC at one point. Each theater has their own unique theater experience, such as Cinemark XD, AMC Prime uh 40x imax etc how do the movie theaters determine which movies get which screens uh i am sure it's a lot of things but would be interested to hear your thoughts there are a lot of different factors that go into it and just to be clear i ran their online movie division i did not work in the theater per mm -hmm. se but uh, i will tell you this as much as i can that the there are many different factors many different factors the prime factor is this though Movie theaters determining what's going to make them the most money. It's just that simple. Like if there's a big movie coming out that's going to get tons of people to go see it, then guess what? They're going to want to put that movie on the AMC Prime screen that they charge a little, they charge a premium price for. Like instead of $14.95, they charge $17 for that theater, right? They're going to want to put that movie in there. Now, again, there are other, I'm oversimplifying it. There are other factors like studio deals and all that kind of stuff that may move that around. But the first main thing they look at is what movies are we playing this week that are guaranteed to sell out? Put those ones in our more expensive theaters. So that's kind of that. All right, what's next? Jamie Rell writes, uh, when I was too young to have memories, there were three films that were constantly on a loop, Star Wars, Lion King, and Toy Story. Mm. I don't remember which one I watched first, but I think it, that's a good problem to have when I put them on uh, at home. It is well, I'm a home. wonderful, wonderful problem to have. I, again, movies define us in many ways. I, I always said, even like back when I first moved to L.A. <clears throat> and I was dating around like a madman. 
Because I, here I am, some loser Canadian kid who's now in Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? All in Hollywood. And Black I was buster. in the movie <laughs> business. So for some other reason, this mug became a lot more attractive to actresses. Don't know why. So I dated around <laughs> a lot. Um, and the first thing when I'd go out on these dates, this is obviously before I met Anne, when I'd go out on these dates, one of the first things I would ask, we'd sit down, meet somewhere for drinks or dinner or whatever. And one of the first things I say is like, you know what? I believe you can tell not everything, but a lot about a person by finding out what their three favorite movies are. And I would ask them that, and that would always be a great kickoff to conversations and, and things like that. And I re- believe that I believe movies are they, one of the things that helped define us, you know, my whole childhood, I think of what, when I think of my childhood, I think star Wars, I, you know, I just do. And so they're powerful in that way. And I love, I love that you have those memories. Did of those any movies. of them ever answer spy kids? None of them uh, ever answered. <laughs> but if they did, it would be great. Cause spy kids is a great movie. I love spy. Do you kids. know, spy kids too was the very first movie I worked on. Oh, sweet. When that I was one working, wasn't that bad either. When I like I was the first working, one the best. First one was the best one, but I I worked for a visual effects company for a while. I was the director of client relations. And uh, the very first feature film that I remember us having that we got to work on was Spy Kids 2. There's a scene where, um, oh, what's the name of the actor from Boardwalk Empire? Main actor from Boardwalk. What's his name again? Oh, uh, Buscemi. Steve Buscemi? Yeah. 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 So I think it was Steve Buscemi who was in that movie. I think it was. Uh, who was in Spy Kids 2. I'll confirm that. But go ahead. It might have been another actor. I can't remember. But I remember the scene was they have this big basket and they open the lid of the basket and they pour out this basket onto a rock tabletop and a bunch of hybrid, mini hybrid animals come out of the basket. Yeah, it was him. It was Steve. That was one of the very first visual effects things in a real movie we ever worked on. Machete was in that. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, was that Danny the 3D Trejo? one? Was this a 3D one? No, that was no, the third one. I think that was the third one. Okay, Island of Lost Dreams. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Terrible movie, but there it is. All right, what's next? All right, we've got um, uh, It's Debrat who writes, I saw the Spider-Verse in Regal IMAX twice, had the same audio issues you were talking about. I, I wonder if it maybe was a wider problem, and it hopefully it has been addressed, because Jonathan saw it in the same theater that I saw it in, yeah. and he said the audio issue was gone. Again, the great thing about modern cinema going is that if there is a correction that needs to be made in a movie, the studio can do it, render it, and then upload it to a central server that the theaters can then just download it and replace the, the flossing. So hopefully, my next screening of Spider-Verse will not have that audio issue like you had it there. So hopefully, maybe the next time you see it, it won't have it either. All right, what's next? All right, up next, we've got Luke, one, two, three, four. Uh, Did it feel natural for Michael Keaton's Batman fighting supernatural villains? I guess this doesn't seem natural for him to be. It's great. All I'm going to say is that it's great. You know, the the what's the critic uh, score at right now? I was surprised. We talked about this on the show and on uh, the ch- YouTube channel yesterday. I was surprised that the Flash... Critic rating was only in the 70s. I thought it would be in the mid 80s. Um, I think the movie's really good, and Michael Keaton is great in it. That, uh, I'm not going to answer anything specifically. I'm just going to say Michael Keaton is great in it. His Batman is great in it. I'm going to leave it at that. 72 percent isn't that bad for eight, uh, 86 reviews? No. So, well, again, 72 percent. Remember again, right, it's right, not right. a grade. That means if you got in a room with 100 film critics over here, it's 72, and over here is 28. It's 72 to 28. That's a landslide. 
So the vast, vast majority of the critics like it. And Rise but I still of the thought Beast, it would be higher. Rise of the Beast went up 1%, 56 it's, now. Up to 56, I tell you. It's head, going in. Heading towards 58. <laughs> All right, what's the next one? All right, we've got uh, Science Nerd. Over or under 50%, Deadpool 3 brings X-Men to the MCU. Thanks, John and crew. Zero. Now, I, th- I think we're going to see some old X-Men. We're, de- we're 100% going to see old X-Men in there, but it's not what's going to bring... Uh, it's, it's not, not what's going to bring mutants into the MCU. They've already introduced mutants now, right? Ms. Marvel is now officially is a mutant. Uh, you know, you're a mutant. I mean, they already established that. So no, Deadpool is not going to be the device that brings mutants into the MCU. All right, what's next? All right, we've got Zelda Master 702 writes with a surprise appearance of Big Papa Iger at WWDC Monday and Disney heavily supporting Apple's new Apple Vision Pro. How would you say that movies that moves the needle on a potential Apple Disney acquisition merger? I don't think it does at all. I look well, first of all, Apple and Disney have always had a very very uh <laughs> close professional relationship. Chummy, very chummy. Very chummy. <laughs> I I believe for Sometime, I believe Steve Jobs was like the single biggest shareholder, individual shareholder in Disney stock. And I think he had a seat on the board of Disney for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, Pixar, um, a big, you know, Pixar, of course, came from George Lucas and all that kind of stuff. But there was Apple Connections. They've always had a very tight relationship. If there is a possibility a lot of people downplay it, but I'm, I'm telling you, remember this video clip three years from now, if it happens, I do believe there is a possibility Apple actually straight up acquires Disney at some point. And maybe they chop it up. Maybe they just want the entertainment division and they don't want to get into cruises and theme parks. Maybe they section that out. But I, I don't know. I, I think I think we could see an acquisition someday. Well, well, remember, Apple can buy and sell Disney about 20 times over. Yeah. That, that's the difference. They're not two companies that are roughly the same size. Disney is huge. Apple can buy and sell them 20 times over. So, yeah, there's that. All right, what's next? All right, Matthew Carter writes, do you think Beyond the Spider-Verse has a chance to hit a billion? I cannot wait to see it next year. Nope. Is it next year? Yep, 2024. Oh, okay. Less than a year from now, May cool. of 2024. No, I don't. Um, I hope it does. I super hope it does. But I don't think it has a chance of making a billion dollars. Yeah. I mean, even this one's at 221 still. Yeah. So. I mean, ask me again as we're like two months away from beyond the Spider-Verse and the trailers start to come out and we're starting to assess the buzz. But like I, I told everybody, this one isn't going to hit a billion and that one's not going to hit a billion. All right. What's next? Oh, uh, we got uh, Ross Bristow. Thoughts on my top 10 favorite movies ever with honors. The Rocketeer, Schindler's List, Whiplash, Phantom of the Opera, the 04. Uh, Man Without a Face, Once Upon a Time in America, Les Mis, Heat, and Hook. That's, That's an interesting list. That is a very unique list. Very okay. Good. I can see with Phantom and Les Mis, you have kind of a musical thing in there, but then Man Without a Face, kind of the same era in, in France, and but there's still some other outliers there. Now, wait, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Gerard Butler in that Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, Ray, can you look that up? I think, I think that. Gerard Butler was in that. Man Without a Face is one of... Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, Mel Gibson's more underrated yep, you're uh, right. films. That is the and one Sharp Butler. Emmy Rossum. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Once Upon a Time in America is great. Can you bring that back up oh, for sure. a second? So I'll look at some of those. Uh, Les Mis, I mean, the 2012 version. I think that's the that the Liam Neeson one. 
I think no, that, Liam is. Yeah, that was the. Uh, I I believe so. Where Liam Neeson plays Jean Valjean. Yeah. I prefer the Hugh Jackman Lame is, but that one was also very good. It was the non-musical version. Heat, a lot of people love it. I love that you have Hook up there. I love Hook. In a world that hates Hook, I love Hook. I think that's great. That's a very unique list, Ross. I like it. I had no idea there was that many Les Mises. There's a lot of Les Mises. So much Les Mises. All right, what's next? All right. Uh, Clip Champ Razor. One thing notable about both New World Order and Brave New World is the keyword new. Do you think Also that- world. World is in both of them, too. Yeah. Uh, do you think this means that Captain America 4 is going to be another big status quo change for the MCU, just like Winter Soldier, End of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Civil War, Tony and Cap break up? Well, I mean, every every Marvel movie has something that influences and kind of slightly alters the path of the MCU. I, I mean, like, I would argue, like, the the events at the end of Infinity War, where half the population gets snapped away, is far more significant than, say, oh, this one government agency shut down. Or, oh, these two characters are temporarily mad at each other. Um, but, yeah, I, I, obviously, I think this will mark the beginning of something, some kind of, not global changing, but shift in the MCU, probably, mm-hmm. if they follow that pattern. All right, what's next? All right, Matt G writes, hey, gang, or hey, John and gang, the general feeling is the new Transformers trailers looks good, but the projected box office is lower than expected. Mm. Do you think they should have made a different style of trailer to make it clear this isn't a Michael Bay Transformers? I, you know, you know what? No, I, I, I think, think this is, I think the trailers were good. They got me, they won me over. I think the trailers look good. The fact of the matter is, though, they spent so many years running this IP into the ground with four completely garbage Transformers movies in a row that, first of all, Bumblebee paid the price. Like, Bumblebee, that Bumblebee deserved to be a $900 million film. And it made, what, 300 and something? No, I think it was four. Maybe four or something. Anyway, it deserved to make at least double that it did. But I still think a lot of people have not, a lot of people didn't see Bumblebee. And a lot of people... 467 worldwide. 467. So I think a lot of people didn't see Bumblebee. And... It's just, it's just they need to put out a couple of good films in a row to get that awful taste of so many years of crappy Transformers That's, movies out of their mouth. It's crazy how seventy-two percent of that was international mm-hmm. uh, for Bumblebee. Yeah, for Bumblebee. yeah. Americans gave up on that franchise, man. And I think mm. part of the problem with Rise of the Beast is Transformers: Rise of the Beast. So you assume it's in the line of all the Bay. Yeah, they should have just called it Primal. They should no. They should have just done a Bumblebee two. Yeah. Is what they should oh, have yeah. done. Oh yeah, really? If that's what yeah. I could have gotten, yes, of course. So anyway, we'll see. Hopefully, we'll like it. All right. Last question of the day. What's next? All right. Um, where did we leave off? Oh, uh, King Daddy Goat. At this point, do you have predictions for a final box office gross for the Flash? With the recent reviews and whatnot, it feels like the film might end the Snyderverse on a sour note. How poetic. Um, no, like I've said from the beginning about the Flash. I have no sense of how big or small this movie will do. I've said before, I'll say it again. I will not be surprised if this movie opens to $130 million. I won't be surprised. Huge smash hit. Won't be surprised. I also won't be surprised if the opening weekend is $40 million. Look, there's a couple of contrasting and opposing forces at play here. On the pro side, the movie's fantastic. It's really good. Also on the pro side, um, well, that's it. That's the pro side. It's great. (laughs) It's a great movie. And it looks good. The trailers have been solved. The trailers look good. But there's a lot of forces working against it. 
not the least of which is all the Ezra Miller nonsense that Ezra Miller has called or has caused. The other part of it is that the DCU films have been dying. Nobody went to go see Black Adam. Even fewer people went to go see Shazam 2. So nobody cares about the DC films anymore right now, which is part of the reason why James Gunn has been brought in to reboot this whole damn sucker. So I won't be surprised if it's big. I won't be surprised if it's small. I have no real clear sense about where this movie's going to end up. I, I think at, in the end, it's going to make like $608 million. It could be three hundred million. I'm gonna say six oh eight, baby. Mark it, this. It deserves it. It deserves oh, is that to make that much. Actually, a high number is. The, am I predicting well, too for high? this no, at this point? That's pretty I, high. I think it's gonna be three. Uh, no, maybe five again. But I'm not gonna be surprised if it's six. I'm not gonna be surprised if it's seven. I'm not gonna be surprised if it's two hundred. I, I mean, I, I think just, it tracks higher than Shazam, and it tracks higher than Black Adam. But yeah, I don't think it goes. Much Interesting. Higher. It was almost fifty fifty with international and domestic with Black Adam. Like forty two percent was uh, domestic. I know. think if this thing does four fifty, they're doing. Uh, yeah, I. Yeah. Again, it's it's just so hard to say right now. The the important thing is though, it's a good movie. Yeah. I mean, that's a- Andy Muschietti did a good job making a good movie, and I can't wait to watch it again. All right, guys. With that down, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members, number one, for giving us great fun things to talk about, but number two, for being YouTube channel members, you guys support our channel, and we thank you guys so much for that support. Now, if you guys are listening to this in podcast, we do have a video version of this show that you can watch Either number one on Spotify, that'll be your best place to watch it. Or if you are one of our channel members, you get to watch it right on YouTube. If you are a channel member of any level, you can watch the regular version. But if you are one of our director or producer level channel members, thank you for being a director or producer level channel member. uh, We actually have an ad free version uh, of it up there as well. So thank you to all you guys. All right, guys. So don't forget, come on back and join us tomorrow and keep your guys' eyes open on our YouTube channel. Keep it on our YouTube channel later tonight as uh, I'm going to be coming out of Transformers Rise of the Beast. We'll do our out-of-the-theater reaction for that. Can't wait for that. So for myself, Ray Ora, Jonathan Voiko, my name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.